Well, um, we have been doing a kind of sermon series looking at um, what is God's uh, vision and mission for us as a church. And his mission is the same mission for every church. Hopefully, as it maybe doesn't... Can you click on for me, Ben, if that's okay, please? Brilliant. Is for everybody to increasingly live all of life loving God more and more. That's the heart. That's what we want to do as a church. We just want to encourage one another in that. We want to love each other better and more. And we want to love the lost by being so passionate about Jesus but that we can't but help tell others about him. <clears throat> and it was interesting, um, someone was telling me yesterday, they were speaking to somebody who said that they didn't realize, not from this church, but from somewhere else, didn't realize that their job, is that their part of their job as a Christian was to tell other people about Jesus. They didn't realize that was part of the role, part of the mission that we're on, part of the call that we have. And I was at a conference a few months ago, and the guy stood up and he said, there's three things that the church can do that nothing, no other organization, no government, no government, no startup could ever do. Three things. Can anyone think what those three things are? Awkward silence. I love awkward silence, and I'll fill it. Not necessarily, but yeah, possibly. That might well be an extra one. It wasn't one of the three that he decided. The fourth one. Number one, evangelism. Proclaiming the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, the power of God to save all who believe in it and turn from their sin to follow him. If the church doesn't evangelize, no other organization is going to do it. Second one, discipleship. The lifelong process of becoming more and more like Jesus and helping others do the same, a government, a nonprofit, are not going to do that. Finally, thirdly, he said church planting. Reaching people with the gospel them coming to faith and forming a church. Three things they said. Why is this so important? And we're talking, and I'm aware that we're talking a lot about at the moment about doing. And I've always got to caveat this with, it's the Holy Spirit that works. It is God who grows his kingdom. But he uses us in the midst of that. He uses us to be part of his plan. And that's what I want for us as a church be part of his plan, to be used by him, to be mindful that we're doing his work, because I believe that that is where we're going to find most joy, most purpose, knowing that we're doing what we've been called to do in the Scriptures. And why is it important? Well, between 1300 and 1910, the percentage of Christians went from 34% globally to 31%, a decrease of 3%. But our um, our planet is growing exponentially in population. Every 10 years, 1 billion people now are being added to the number of people on this earth. That's 10 million a year. I did some maths. Nearly 27,500 people a day. That's one every five seconds being added to our population. How do we match that increase? If only 31, 30% are Christians, that means 5.5 billion aren't that don't know Jesus yet. What does that mean for us as a church? It means that we have a role to play by being used by God to reach the lost. Evangelism, discipleship, 
and church planting. Three things that I want to be part of our DNA, of what we're about. Telling people about Jesus, walking alongside one another as we do that, and if the Lord leads us, starting new churches like with Second City and others and Hope Church, and we pray there'll be more to come. So, if every person reaches one person with the gospel and they come to faith, the Lord saves them, 50 people will be added to the kingdom of God, and that will be worthy of praise. That will be, praise the Lord, thank you, Lord, for using us. If each one of us brings someone to faith, the Spirit saves them. But that would just be replacing ourselves when we go to be in heaven. But actually, if we, want to, if, if we believe the Lord wants to see his kingdom grow, it is growing, I believe that, that to see exponential growth, to make inroads into that, would be one person seeing four people come to faith. And those four people each see four people come to faith. Through evangelism, discipleship, and we pray then through planting churches. That's when a movement starts to happen. And so I know it's all in the Lord's hands. It's all him. It's all him. It's all his work. And I want to keep saying that. It is his work. But he uses us to be part of it. I don't know about you, but I want to see people come to faith. I want to see people's lives transformed. I want to see their lives not burdened by sin and guilt and shame, but the freedom that comes for knowing Christ, the feelings and the knowledge that you have now for those who know and love Jesus that you experience now. We want others to know that too, don't we? That's part of the heart of us as a church. We want to see others come to know him. We want to see more churches started. If that means that in a, in a year's time, 10 people come to me and say, do you know what? I think I want to go and uh, we want to, our gospel community, we want it to become a church. My answer is going to be, praise the Lord, go and do it. Wherever you are, we'll help you, we'll support you, whatever it looks like. We just want to see people come to faith And we're not about building our own kingdom, building our own church, but about building his church. I always do this. I start off on my notes, and then I go off somewhere, and then I can never find my way back. But hey, hey hey-ho. Well, as we read through the book of Acts, and I know that a couple of years ago we did that as a church, um, but we're looking at kind of like little sections of it over these last five weeks and next week as well. We, We cannot but be inspired by what we see in the early Christians. People with fire in their belly, the Holy Spirit in them. Seeing miraculous signs and wonders happening. People that were committed to one another. People that were coming into the, being shaped by God's word. People that were um, praying intensely. People that were on the mission of God, seeing people come to faith. And it's amazing to see, isn't it? We see like early church growth. I don't know if you can see it on here. Hopefully you can. In the book of Acts, that's where we see the church go from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then out to the nations. So quickly, the good news of Jesus Christ spread. And so we're going to be looking at chapter 11 briefly today, the end of chapter 11. Um, and just by way of introduction of kind of what's been going on in the book of Acts, is we see they wait for the Holy Spirit. Jesus tells them to wait for the Holy Spirit. They receive it on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit comes, and then they're emboldened to go and preach the gospel. But it brings with it persecution. Stephen is stoned for one of the most amazing preachers you'll ever hear. And then 
And that's overseen by Saul, the zealous Jewish leader. And then they disperse. The early church dispersed. They go across the nations because of persecution. But with it, Paul's plan didn't work, did it? Saul's plan didn't work. It actually ended up taking the gospel with them. And many churches were started and planted. And we see today the church in Antioch, modern-day Turkey, a people with Jesus at the center, knowing what their purpose is, knowing what they're living for, knowing that they're on the mission of God. And we see the spread of Christianity happen. So I'm just going to turn to Acts chapter 11. It isn't on the screen, I'm afraid, but it's on page 1,105 stroke six in the church Bibles. 1,105 onto 1,106. Reading from verse 19. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the the word only among Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived, he saw what the grace of God had done. He was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a man, he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And a great number of people were brought to, to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians at first at Antioch. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. This they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. Well, the church at Antioch kind of gives us a model template of what it means to be a missional church. Jerusalem was the center of theology and orthodoxy. Antioch was the church, the, the, the first missionary church, the missional church where they were sending people out. It was a great place, a great center to do it. It's on the, hopefully, I would know, maybe you can't see it on that one, on this slide here. Antioch in Syria. 500,000 people, a city of commerce, a city with Greeks, Romans, Arabs, Asians, remarkably diverse, not unlike Birmingham. And we see them living out the missional task. The task that's given to every believer and every group of believers to live out. And what we see here is the missional task that they're on, the missional task that they're doing. And over the next two weeks, we're just going to look at five areas of this missional task that we believe that we're called to do as um, missional churches, people that are out looking, looking to see people come to faith and plant churches. 
And so it's five things that we will look at. First of all, today we're going to look at intense prayer. We're then going to look at evangelism. They're the two we're probably going to focus on today. And then next week, we're going to move on to discipleship, leadership development, and multiplication and church planting. And again, as I say, these, these weeks that we're, looking, we're doing this at the moment is because I want us all as a church to understand where we're going and what our heart is as a church. There's a number of you that are new to the church, and since we did this a few years ago, you'll be thinking, what's all cost about as a church? And I think it's really important that we understand where our heart is and what the church is seeking to do on the mission of God. And so, I remember Jez once sharing... Jez, um, who leads the, the Oikos Collective in Second City and used to lead Oikos here, about church planting is a bit like baking a cake. It had, uh, if you imagine, there's loads of ingredients that go into a cake, aren't there? Now, one ingredient that must be there is Jesus. He's the flour or the eggs or both. The, the most important ingredient has got to be there. Jesus has to be the center. It has to be based on him. But then you can throw in some other things and see what the cake turns up like. Now, I don't mean to embarrass Nikki, but the cake last week, Nikki, we had a new oven, and so Nikki wanted to bake a new cake, and it was um, <coughs> a great heart behind wanting to bake this cake. And she thought she'd try something a little bit different. And so there was some pepper. It was a pepper cake that was supposed to go. Yeah, interesting recipe. Um, and for the several people that tried it, there was two hours afterwards of, of a feeling that they've never had before in the back of their throats and in the sting in their nostrils. I made the mistake of there was a piece left out. I thought, oh, that looks nice. Fortunately, it did not taste that. But cakes are normally fantastic that Nikki bakes. So do have a cake that Nikki bakes. Don't you know? But um, so some ingredients in church planting that don't work. But depending on where you are, depending on the place that you're reaching, depending on who you're going to, there are some basic ingredients that do need to be there. Jesus, first and foremost. But then we see these five things in this uh, church at Antioch that are taking place. Well, intense prayer isn't obvious in this passage, but it is something that happens throughout the book of Acts. Intense prayer, evangelism, discipleship, leadership development, and multiplication through church planting. And so I just want us to start here with intense prayer. Intense prayer. We cannot do anything without God. We cannot do anything without God. We cannot build our own kingdom. It's he who builds it for us. Prayer is about speaking to God, listening to God, deepening our relationship with him, saying, I am not in control you are, and I need you. How often do we think that we are in control and can manage these things? How often are we humbled when we realize, no, we can't. We can't do these things. But we see in Acts, they were intent on pursuing God in prayer. Look at this. These are just the majority, almost all the things that happen in Acts revolve around prayer. I don't know if you can read them. In Acts 1, they pray before choosing leaders, in Acts 4, they pray after, the perse after persecution. They pray for boldness. In Acts 6, they pray before choosing more leaders. In Acts 9, they pray for signs and wonders. In Acts 10, they pr their prayer surrounds every aspect of the gospel going to the Gentiles. 
Do they go to the Gentiles? Yes, they've got to go to the Gentiles. Acts 12, praying for the release of Peter from prison. And guess what? He answers it. Acts 13, they pray before setting aside the first missionaries and church planting team, Paul and Barnabas. Acts 14, they pray before setting aside new believers in the new church's leaders. In Acts 16, they pray, they, um, they're praying in prison, resulting in the conversion of the, jailer's house, the jailer and his household. Acts 20, they pray when departing from a church that is planted, leaving them on their own. In Acts 21, praying when commending Paul to be uh, in a dangerous situation. In uh, Acts 22, praying in worship and receiving guidance as to the future ministry plans. In Acts 28, praying for signs and wonders. It is littered with prayer. They were a people that knew they could do nothing without prayer. Nothing at all. How often do I start doing things and then I ask the Lord afterwards, partway through? Has anyone ever done that before? You start going, you start doing, and then you think, oh, maybe is the Lord in this? Maybe I should pray about it. And you're two weeks down the line thinking, oh, maybe I should have started with prayer in the first place. I remember I shared this before, but um, when Jez... Jez met with some church leaders, and um, there was a Nigerian church planter that came across um, to talk to them about starting new churches. And one guy stood up and asked, how do you plant a church? You planted 100 churches. How do you go about doing it? And he just looked at them blankly, as if to say, what? I thought you were church planters. You pray. He just said, we pray for 24 hours, and then we plant a church. That's it. They pray. They pray. They pray. Just think about... Um, I know we use mum's meat as an example, but I think it's helpful for us um, to see the, the power of prayer in this is, is that about 12 months ago, and correct me if I'm wrong, Charlie and Nikki, wherever Nikki may be, downstairs, correct me, Charlie, if I'm wrong, but there was a time about 12 to 18 months ago where Charlie and Nikki and others were thinking, we want deeper relationships. Why aren't we having deeper relationships with the mums? Why aren't the mums being more open to hearing the gospel? Why they're not wanting to hang out as much outside of mum's meat. Plenty were coming, but the deep relationships weren't quite there. So they're committed to praying faithfully. Prayer walks, meeting up weekly, fortnightly to pray for mum's meat. And then as they started praying, over the last 12 months, they've seen much deeper relationships. Gospel conversations being nearly the norm every single week. People coming over on Friday nights to to each other's houses during the week. To each other's houses. Links between the baking class and the mums group are being seen and relationships between more people across the church are happening. English class as well. And then another mum from another church said, why don't you offer prayer beforehand to the mums if they want that? So they prayed about it and they started doing that and the first week a few mums came to receive prayer. As we turn to God in prayer, he opens up the opportunity. He builds us up in faith. He's the only one that's able to do it. Our best laid plans, our best tactics, our best strategies, all, they're not founded on intense prayer. I want to encourage you. Maybe there's something that you're praying for at the moment. Or maybe there's something that's happening big in your life that you're not praying for. And you're thinking, maybe I need to pray for this. Pray. Seek the Lord's face much better doing that at the start, knowing that it's founded on him when he said yes to something than halfway through having to backtrack and say, Lord, is this, are you really in this? Do you want us to do this? 
And it's encouraged us as a staff team. I know certainly for me and Harriet on the, with the cafe, just thinking we need to be praying for this more together and inviting you guys into that. And so we'd love to do an invite out to you. 8.30 every day. If you are around at any point and you just want to come and pray with us or for us, um, both are acceptable. Um, 8.30, we're going to be downstairs. And we pray that the cafe will be in a position where it's ready so we can be dedicated to praying ourselves. But even if we can't, if, you, if anyone from the church comes, just pray. Pray for the cafe that day. There's a number of things that are breaking down at the moment. And it was wonderful that when I sent out that text on Friday, within 10 minutes of sending out that text, asking people to pray because yet another thing had broken down, guess what? It started working. And so prayer really does work. And we want to see the Lord's hand in it, don't we? When we pray, we can definitely say, yes, I see the Lord's hand in this. I know it was him that did this. Intense prayer is so important. And as we're praying for things like our gospel community groups, for gospel communities, for our leaders, we would love to see more leaders so we can have more gospel communities. We would love people to say, yes, I want to I care for these people. I want to help lead these people. And we need prayer. At the, bottom, at the heart of our gospel communities. To see them be healthy, to see them be shaped by God's word, to see them be founded on prayer, to see them be um, generous, radical generosity happening. Got to be founded on prayer. And as we start and we pray that those gospel communities would form one day into churches, they grow. We never stop praying not just pray at the start and then forget about it. It's pray throughout on this missional journey, this missional task that we have. Pray as we disciple people. Pray as we evangelize and pray as we see um, communities formed. Keep praying, keep praying, keep praying. And so it's really hard to preach on praying without actually stopping and praying. It would seem a little bit not doing what I'm saying. And so we're going to spend some time now um, in prayer. I'm not sure what time. Okay. But we are going to do this, even if I don't get on to the next point. We're going to stop and pause and pray. Because there's so much to pray for. There's lots of stuff going on in our own lives. There's lots of stuff going on in the life of the church. And so I've just got some things on the board that may be helpful to guide you around your tables. Some people feel comfortable praying around tables. Some people don't. That's fine. If you don't feel comfortable, pray in your own heart. That's absolutely fine. He still hears the prayers. They don't have to be out loud. But for those that do, around your tables, praise him for who he is and his goodness. We have to start there for his faithfulness and goodness to us. How has God been good to you this week? Pray that his kingdom would come. We want him to return, don't we? We want God to return. We want Jesus to return. Pray that he would return, that his kingdom would grow and it would come. We can pray for Charlton Road, the church that wants us to help revitalize it. And if it's on your heart to go and be part of that team that goes to revitalize that church, Ask him, seek his face, but pray for that church as it's slowly dying out, and we don't want that. We want the gospel presence in King Standing. Let's pray for that church. Second City, Hope Church, the other churches in our collective. Pray for Oikos. There's so much to be praying for. I'll leave that on the board. You can, you can read those. I won't say them, but, but do pray for Oikos Church. We need those prayers. We need the Lord to be in everything we're doing, our ministries, our, um, as we seek the lost. Pray that we, would see that, our, that we would see the need for people to hear the gospel and to know the gospel, our friends and our families. Pray that the Lord would put that on our hearts. And so we can spend 10 minutes now just around your tables. Um, 
go wherever you like. There may be other things. You may just want to grab someone and say, actually, I need prayer. Can you pray for me now? That's fine. Grab somebody. There's an office in there that you're welcome to go into, space in other places in the cafe. Feel free to do that if you like, or at the back there. It's absolutely fine. So let's give all these things over to the Lord in prayer. Let's go. Father, we pray that that we would not forget that you're the center of everything that we believe and therefore everything that we do. And so, Lord, our heart is that we would, um, our heart is that we want to see people that don't know you come to know you. And, Lord, we want to be used by you. And I know personally, Lord, I ask and pray for boldness like we see here in the book of Acts, Lord, for when we um, receive your spirit that there, we can keep praying for more and more boldness. So, Lord, I pray even this week as we go out to, um, to our different places of work, um, our different uh, family groups, our neighbors, neighborhoods, Lord, that, that you would just give us that extra portion of boldness to be able to share something of you with them. And Lord, all the things that we have on that board there, Lord, there's, there's so much stuff um, that it almost it feels insurmountable. But Lord, I pray that we would never feel overburdened or overwhelmed, Lord, that we would pray for what you put on our hearts and that we would see you at work and that we would trust you are at work. And whether that's seeing uh, gospel community leaders more and more gospel communities, whether that's seeing volunteers turn up in a couple of weeks' time to help out in the cafe, whether that's for the ladies um, that have been coming to Christianity Explored and their salvation and their partners as well, Lord, we pray for that. For baking class, for English class, for cafe ministry, Lord, for the things that keep breaking down, Lord, we want to see you at work in all those things, and we trust that you will. Lord, I pray that we would be a praying church, that first and foremost we would stop and pray. Three great words, stop and pray. Maybe we need to turn to somebody this week and just say those words, let's stop and pray. Yeah, Father, we um, we know that there's nothing that we can do in our own strength. We want you to be at the heart of everything that we do. And for anybody that's in need at the moment, Lord, that's just feeling um, trapped, burdened, guilty, ashamed, circumstances that just um, feel like it's pressing in on all sides, I do ask that you would please work and offer comfort and offer hope. 
We ask all this in your son's holy name. Amen. Well, I think we're going to pause there. So four points to do next week, so we'll see how we get on there. But um, I think it's good to stop there in a place of um, need and turning to him in that place. And so we're just going to um, finish our time by singing.